today on Ag News Daily. Good afternoon and welcome to another, it's morning, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. <laughs> Delaney Howell joined by Tanner Winterhoff. I'm obviously not fully awake this morning, Tanner. Yeah, I don't think we can fool anybody that it would be afternoon based upon the way you started that off. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Things are great. Sun's are shining. It is going to be a warm one today across the Midwest. It certainly is, Tanner. And yesterday we got the crop progress report, which noted some of that warm weather that we've been seeing here. The crop corn crop condition was rated 67% in good to excellent condition, down 3% from the week prior, probably most notably due to some of the hot weather we had last week. And on the soybean side of things, Crop conditions were at 65% good to excellent, down again three percentage points on soybeans as well, with the biggest drops in Iowa and Illinois, as well as some pretty big drops in Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Mississippi. So overall, the crop is slightly declining and may continue to be the trend as we do see a lot of hot and dry continuing to be in the forecast. I'll tell you what, as you see, the market's not responding to that news. It's because we are still ahead of the five-year average in both of those categories. So uh, kind of an interesting report to go take a look at. Nothing earth-shattering, but it makes you remember how good we've had it these last couple of years production-wise. And then, of course, small wheat updates. You know, 41% of the crop has now been harvested. 30% of the winter wheat was rated good to excellent. So um, quite a difficult year for those trying to capture high wheat prices, especially due to either it was too wet to get it planted, too wet for it to grow, or in these instances, uh, some areas too dry. But Delaney, we've got some relief on the way for the southern region. There is a tropical disturbance that is bringing drought relief to the Gulf Coast. The tropical rainstorm is tracking toward the Caribbean or tracking towards the Caribbean is now on the cusp of becoming named a tropical storm. And meteorologists are monitoring how that disturbance is affecting the northern Gulf of Mexico. So it could spin up into a tropical storm, but ultimately it's providing much needed rain for that northern shore of the Gulf Coast. Um, Jumping across waters from one Gulf to another country. Uh, Quick little headline here, Austria is preparing to reopen a coal-powered power plant. So unimaginable is the headline. In Southern Austria, there's pictures of spider webs and flowers and and all these things taking over this coal-fired power plant. But the main reason, Delaney, is they're nervous that Russia may cut its crucial gas deliveries down even further. This plant was closed in 2020, and they are getting prepared to launch it again. So Austria is less dependent upon Russian fuels. Well, I'm going to take us back to the wheat sector here for just a moment, because I did think this was pretty notable and very interesting. I was actually just reading an article earlier today earlier yesterday about an op-ed basically pointing out that corn and soybeans have seen a lot of technology, Tanner, when it comes to GM and GMOs, but the wheat industry certainly has not seen the same commercialization. And so when you look at wheat acreage and wheat 
bushels per acre, wheat is not seeing the same level of increase that we saw in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s with different introductions of corn and soybean varieties. But that may change. The FDA has found no safety issue with a new drought-tolerant biotech variety of wheat known as HB4, which was developed by an Argentinian company, Biocerus Crop Solutions. And the FDA is considering allowing this into the lineup of new traits that are allowed by U.S. producers to grow. However, Argent- or excuse me, Australia is also considering a similar uh allowance there into their wheat production as well. And again, as you look at the technology that's in the wheat industry, there just isn't a ton of options for wheat producers. Yeah, and I wonder if that is historically been profit driven, you know, is, is wheat a necessary crop? Yes. Has it historically been extremely profitable to more additional research? Um, I'd be curious to see what the comparisons look like. Uh, but now we know with the global shortages that we're having, how important it is. So good to see some progress made yes, on those fronts. Absolutely. There is an industry that's not seen much progress, and that is the rail industry. So we reported last week on June 18th that the uh, rail workers said no, flat out rejected the latest contract offer from the Canadian National and International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Uh, oh, on the contracts that came back from the rail association. This article is stating that alongside the electrical workers union going on strike, there is a perfect storm brewing for a logistics failure here in the US. Uh, So really poor contract negotiations. We talked about how after June 18th, we were going to approach the 30 day cool off period in the rail workers started the arbitration. So now there's no discussions for 30 days as part of that. And again, that only opens up another 30 day contract side uh, negotiation for the side of that. So we could potentially see delaying 90 days before any contract uh, agreements are met on the rail side, but port workers are also approaching a point where they may be going on strike. So not good for the logistics part of the U S if we can't get these union contracts figured out for both rail and port. But one thing that agriculture is doing to at least try and keep the railway safe is monitoring railroad crossings. So it's reported also that there was a farmer in Sheridan County, Missouri, where the uh, Amtrak train derailment happened, uh, unfortunately resulting in multiple deaths. But this farmer had noted that this crossing was not safe actually posted a video to Facebook, Delaney, of a train traveling upwards of 50 Mm. miles an hour through that intersection, noting how dangerous it was to cross with his equipment and called on the railway to fix that situation. So uh, good on you farmers out there monitoring everything on the back roads in rural America. Keep it up and maybe our voices will be heard before another accident like this happens. Yeah, that's you don't like to hear about those. No, certainly not. Well, Tanner, I've got some fun news to pick us up on this Tech Tuesday episode. I think this is somewhat tech related, but do you know what Farming Simulator is? The video game? Absolutely. Okay. Have you played it? 
I have not. Okay. Me neither. But I know a lot of kids in college that I was friends with did play it, which I never quite understood because a lot of them farmed as well. But this young man has decided or has turned his farming simulator career into an actual farm career, Tanner. Grant Gilbert out of Ankeny, Iowa, has played farming simulator for quite a few years. And within the last couple of years, he was able to gain about 1.3 million followers on his YouTube channel. And with that, was able to start monetizing his YouTube channel of him playing farming simulator. Well, he's earned enough money that he was able to buy 250 acres here in Powashik and Mahaska County and said that now he has planted his corn and soybean crop for one of the first years ever. Isn't that astonishing? It is. And uh, both Grant and his brother Spencer are Iowa State University grads. Uh, We had the pleasure of having them in studio for a Farm for Profit episode. That will come out a week from Thursday. So on July 7th, they are a fascinating set of brothers, extremely driven and and definitely uh, are very humble. The fact that playing a video game, a computer (laughs) game, has allowed them to achieve their dream of becoming first generation farmers. So a really great story. Go look I love up that. And obviously selfishly listening to uh, our interview with them on the Farm Profit podcast next week. I will absolutely check that out because I'm really excited to hear that one, Tanner. Good find. Yeah. And, and like I said, they were great, great people too. That's the fun part is sometimes you can see that go, uh, go to the head of an individual that um, gets wealth on a quick basis at a young age, uh, but they seem to have a very great, great investment future for them. And they love the world of agriculture. So I'd expect to see more, but last piece I have for today. And uh, hopefully those of you waiting on your new pickup orders can start to see a little bit of supply for microchips, semiconductors easement. So a Taiwan company is boosting their Taiwan production And then to help matters even more in the future, they plan to build a chip plant in Texas. So we reported yesterday that Texas is getting the expansion of Chevron headquarters. Now Taiwan is announcing that their global wafers company will build a $5 billion chip plant in Texas. Delaney, this will not help you next week. It will not help you next year. The completion of this plant isn't anticipated until early 2025. But this is an effort to not have the situation with chip shortages happen again, having more of them manufactured within the U.S. borders. And those are the chips that we went through a shortage of with like computers and whatnot during COVID. Is that accurate, Tanner? That's correct. And then the ones that uh, were included in vehicles. So sometimes vehicles now, I've heard reports of farmers getting deliveries of pickups with some features not operational in there until uh, a recall will be issued to where they can put the chip in. So they're basically semiconductors, very simple technology from what this article says, uh, but very crucial for making the relay of computer decisions to functional aspects of your vehicle. Well, I have just one final piece of news, and I think it kind of follows along in that same suit, you know, because we had obviously a large shortage on those types of things, and vehicles were hard to source, or still are hard to source, I suppose, new vehicles and used. But the other thing that's been hard to source, Tanner, of course, is chemicals and inputs. 
Reuters is reporting as of yesterday that quite a few farmers have cut back on common uses of weed killers and fungicides and other over-the-crop application use chemicals. They said that a lot of farmers have been spraying in smaller volumes of herbicides and turning to less effective fungicides because they're just simply available. Um, Interviews with more than a dozen chemical dealers, manufacturers, farmers, and weed specialists have shown that disruptions to the U.S. growers' production has changed strategies and, of course, raised their costs. So I'm just curious if any of our listeners have changed their usage of herbicide, of fungicide, etc. this year. Let us know. I'm curious to see how many growers this really did impact this year. Yeah, I I would also be. I know I've got a couple customers that uh, maybe took a precautionary route in switching up their regimen, but uh, let us know. Reach out to us on social media, find Ag News Daily, and uh, give us your feedback. But Delaney, the markets have maybe turned around a little bit for us this morning. It looks like maybe they paid attention to the crop conditions fading here at the open. Of course, we talked about major states with the biggest fade, what are things looking like? Yes, that is a great synopsis of what we're seeing this morning, Tanner. And there's also kind of the question mark of really where we're at as far as demand goes. You know, Ted mentioned yesterday demand destruction. It's still a little early to tell if we're there yet, but that is still a question the market is weighing, as well as, of course, crop condition reports. New crop corn heading into the open this morning is higher, about 662, up nine cents. New crop soybeans up about 16 and a half cents, trading around the 1449 mark. Wheat also higher this morning, about 20 cents higher across the board in the Chicago wheat contract, and about 14 cents higher in the hard red KC wheat contract. As you look at livestock this morning, they're also seeing a little positivity in the cattle complex up across the board in live cattle and feeder cattle and lower, trading lower this morning in lean hogs. So we might have a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday, Tanner. So uh, yeah, markets can't figure out what's going on, it seems. We've said from the beginning of the year that volatility will play a huge factor in this 2022 marketing year. But uh, Tech Tuesday went well for news, and I think we're going to take a unique approach to Tech Tuesday for our interview today. Uh, We have the pleasure of talking with Bo Fox, who is um, in Texas monitoring the safety of livestock in his official uh, law enforcement position. But As you get deeper into the interview, you'll realize that the most common theft form right now is done right under your nose. So let's jump into that conversation. I have no idea what you guys talked about. Can you wrap it? Yep. Well, there you go, Delaney. It's done right to your face. The most common form of livestock theft is basically done through a handshake and then sold without it being sold in your name, uh, taken to an alternate delivery fashion. So great tips there from Bo as to how we can keep our livestock safe and identified with ourselves. So if you're a cattle rancher, if you're raising cattle in, uh, look at branding. Sounds like that's about the only way to officially make sure your livestock does not get stolen. What an interesting, interesting uh, interview, Tanner, to say the least. 
Yeah. Thanks to Cassidy for lining that up. I don't think that's perspective I would have gained without having her on the team. So other than that, Delaney, a great Tech Tuesday listeners. Thank you for hanging out with us and hopefully you come back again tomorrow. So what do you say, Delaney? Is it time to let the listeners go? Let's let them go, Tanner.